On this episode, Tarlise Rideau from Body, Brains, and Bank Account joins us to discuss ways to reduce stress in your business, strategies for mental stress. Then we switch gears and discuss crypto investing, metaverse, as well as some of the benefits of using retirement accounts for this type of investing. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, Here's your host, Certified Financial Planner, Pat Darby. Today on Building Your Wealth Muscle, we're joined by the founder of Body, Brains, and Bank Account, Tarlise Rideau. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for Very having nice. me. Yeah. Uh, thank you. For, this is, I'm really glad we got this together. We were trying to coordinate this for a few weeks now. Um, it's, you know, it's funny. We were just talking before we got on. I said, I'm so sorry. I haven't gotten back to you. You know, we were... I have been looking forward to this interview because we chat on Facebook and we chat in Messenger, but I think it's just fun to like be, you know, face to face, quote unquote, and have this conversation. So thanks for having me. No, absolutely. Um, before we dive in, I think you and I actually, I don't remember how we met, but you were part of what pushed me to get into 75 hard because I was considering it. And then you started a group that you're like, I'm starting it on Monday. And I was like, I think I was one day behind you, but I was like, all right, I'm going to start it. Let me... Let me have like a little group of people I kind of know. So, you know, how did it go? A life changing experience for me. I five hard three times and then I did phase one wow. and phase two. And so I lost like, I think, 35 pounds in the process. Um, got a divorce. What else happened? Like all kinds of crazy things happened. But I learned so much about myself. Like I... If you've ever taken or if you've ever done 75 hard, you understand. But if you haven't, you know, a lot of people assume that it's a fitness challenge or that it is, yeah. you know, to lose weight or to get in better shape. And it's not. It is a mental toughness challenge. And, you know, you have to do these certain tasks every day, like drink a gallon of water and do two 45 minute workouts. And one has to be outside. And there were so many days that. You know, I currently live in Illinois and I had to do a 45 minute workout outside in negative 11 degrees. It was a blizzard. It was snow. I did not want to do it. And I was thinking no one would know if I didn't do this. Like not a <laughs> single person would know, you know, like they would understand. And yet I got out there and I did it and I showed up day after day. You know, there was a time that on day 60, I was in the hospital and I was admitted for four days. And then I got out and I was like, okay, let's start it again. Like I just, I made it through some really tough times thanks to that. Because at the end of the day, what it taught me was if you're lying to yourself, it is so much worse than lying to other people. And so I had to commit to myself every single day and I had to show no one else was around when no one knows if I drank my last, you know, gulp of water or read my last page. And so total, I did it for almost a year. It was like 300 plus days, you know, between all the phases and starting over and starting over. And I just, I wouldn't change anything about it. It was such a game changing life experience for me that just like we were saying before, the community, like the people I've met, and you are a different breed if you're going through that because it's just like no, 
no excuses, mental fortitude, like you just show up. And so it just, it really changed my life. And I, it sounds so cheesy when people are like, it changed my life, but it did. It, you know, I was going through a difficult time in my relationship at that time. And I just, I poured into that every day. I was reading and running and doing everything that I could for myself. And then I looked back and I was like, wow, I'm a completely different person. So cool. Are you in uh, phase one now or phase two? So I did. So I just complete. So I was going to do the entire year again over and I made it through the first 75 days and I'm about to start phase one. And I got to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to do it again. Like, I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole thing again and do the one year and kind of, you know, I, I enjoy it, but it's kind of like, I'd rather have it become a lifestyle than I'm on phase one again. And I'm on phase Man. two. It's like when you just show up and do it and you know, you you're showing up regardless of what day you're on, I'd really like to get towards that, not just the challenge. So I'm kind of like in between, you know, I'm supposed to start phase one in a couple of days and I'm like, do I want to do it again or do I not? I don't know. Uh, I we have to take a cold shower in phase one. So I'm in, I'm on day I'm on day 15 or 16 of phase one. I failed. Well, I failed technically, but I quit on purpose. But I got to day 17 and then I had a business trip and I was like, I do not want to be doing this. I was staying with a buddy. I'm like, I don't want to be like the weird guy who's like take cold showers at his place. And so I was like, yeah. all right. And I was like, I don't want to, you know, have to have weird dietary restrictions and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, let me just stop this. But I got to say, I try to mentally not talk myself out of it. But that cold shower, every time I'm like, oh, I still got to do the cold shower. And it's like, I'm hoping like it, it is easier. I will say like when he did say like after a couple of days, it's easier. Yes. But when I'm done for the day, I'm like, oh, thank God that shower's done. I know. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's kind of funny, though, because I feel like I use 75 hard as like a verb now. I'm like, just 75 hard it. Just 75 hard it. You got to just do it, you know? And so – I really have taken on that mentality, though. There's so many days that maybe I don't want to make one more phone call or I don't feel like, you know, like last night I stayed up really late working on a project and I was like, I just want to go to bed. And then I said, you know what? Show up for yourself. You committed to this. Do it and don't go to bed until. And I was like, I don't think I would have had that mentality if I hadn't done it and completed it. So good experience. Yeah. For me, the, of the 75 days, like, and this is why I'm forcing myself to to do phase one because 75 hard, I don't have a crazy social life. So like not drinking for seven day, that's pretty easy for me. I easily go months. Um, I read a lot, not a ton, but like re I read almost every day. So like making it every single day was a bit of a challenge. Most of the things were not super far out of my comfort zone. And I live in Vegas. So like the weather's not horrible most days. Like I, I didn't do it during the summer. So I can't say what it would be then, but like my coldest day was like really windy and it probably like in the low forties. So it wasn't anything like, like you had to deal with. So 75 hard wasn't quote unquote that hard after I got the routine. Like I think it took me like 25 or 30 days, but once I got in a routine, like this is when I do this, this is when I do that. I was just checking the boxes like, and I'm single. So it wasn't like I had a spouse potentially derailing me with like, dinner events and things like that. So, yeah. but phase one is legitimately most of those things are like out of my comfort zone. So it like, interesting? and it's so funny because 
a five minute shower. Like I've done some difficult things in my life, but having cold water for five minutes, like I see these guys in this, you know, the Wim Hof ice baths and stuff. And I'm like, how are you doing it? But so many benefits to it. And so, you know, I feel like you have to like talk yourself into it of, but it's so good for you. And it's, you know, it's going to help me. And <laughs> you just like mentally masturbate yourself <laughs> into believing 100%. that it's going to work. But it's so funny how five minutes can feel like an eternity, right? Oh, yeah. Like for me, I'm getting to the point now where I can tell when it's, I can tell when I'm almost done because. I feel like at like the four minute mark, the water finally starts to feel like warm. You're like, like it, it. it stops being torture in about like, that's usually like, I can feel like my muscle, my muscles start to like relax. Then I'm like, oh, I'm probably a, less than a minute from the alarm going off. So at that point, I, I probably could go longer. But when the alarm goes off, I, I'm pretty much done. I'm like, okay, that's enough of that. But um so that's why I'm like trying to stay the course with that because it's it's super out of my comfort zone. But yeah. but the main benefit I got from 75 hard was I get migraines. And so in the past, when I would get a migraine, like my day was over. Like I would be like, all right, whatever I had to do at work, I would do. And then I would go home. And then and that was the, my main concern. I was like, what am I going to do when I get a migraine 75 hard? Like two workouts after a migraine, like that's that's a nightmare. But I did it. And then so then I was like, so was it just in my head? Like, like literally yesterday I got a migraine and I was like, all right, take some, I forget, like Excedrin or something. And it's like, just keep going. Like I have to still have to go to the gym later. Like I, I have no like, choice. I have no choice. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so I it's so weird how like. It, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think, isn't it interesting because it's like, where else could you apply that mentality? But we choose yeah. not to. So it's like, I, I. I've been very aware of this because like I said, I'm supposed to start the next phase. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do the next phase because I've already done it. What am I trying to prove? I don't know. I really like it. Should I, you know what I'm like going back and forth, but then it's like, where else could I apply that of like, it doesn't matter. You have to do it. You don't have a choice because I think a lot of the times we, you know, I always say there's a fine line between self-love and self-sabotage. So you know if you're canceling something because it's good for you, because your body needs it, because it's going to benefit you, or if you're not doing it because you're self-sabotaging, you're worried, you're fearful, etc. And only you know which side of the line you're on. But I've noticed from working with thousands of entrepreneurs, you know, in my career, is that it's easier to just self-sabotage than like love yourself and go, no, I committed to this. I'm doing it regardless because people will be there when you say, I, did, I failed. Or, you know, when I first started 75 Hard, I started a group before he made us shut all the groups down. But I started with 100 people. I think one other person finished with me. No one out, like 98 people did not do anything and then I wow. did it again I did it again and more people finished and I did it again and more people finished but it was very interesting because I realized isn't that life though you know sometimes you you start with a lot of people that support you and get it but as trouble comes up or as adversity shows its you know ugly head or things happen or the calendar you know gets a little you know it's, it doesn't happen on Wednesday it happens on Friday when things pop up people just go uh I don't want to do this anymore and so having that commitment to yourself, like take 75 hard out of it. It's like, when's the last time you showed up for yourself with your body and your health, with your mindset and your personal development, yeah. with your finances? Um, 
your life will change once you start taking that approach. So it like it doesn't have to do with 75 hard. It has to do with being accountable to yourself, which is very difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, that's I mean, that was the one thing that disappointed me. Like when the when the challenge ended, I had a little momentum, but I did fall off about like three weeks out, like in terms of like the diet. I definitely wasn't doing the second exercise. I'm pretty consistent at hitting the gym, but yeah, like the, the 45 out, uh, outdoor walk. That, that went away immediately. So I am curious to try the phase where you're basically not doing it, but you try to continue the momentum mm-hmm. because that's, I mean, that's really the, the outcome that I want for myself. Cause I don't want to constantly have like, like I don't have any issues with drinking. So like if I want to drink, cool, I will. I don't want that weird restriction for no reason. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I got to go 15, 15 or 14 more days of cold showers. And I, I, I'm curious if I'll continue it because I, I'll say this. I don't personally notice any health benefits. I know there are some, but I haven't experienced any. Well, it's funny you say that because literally when I finished it, I was like, they still suck. <laughs> 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 everyone's like don't you feel better I'm like no I actually don't but I know I do like I know the benefits are there I, I read them I see them you know it's like cryotherapy I love cryotherapy but I'm like it sucks when you're in there <laughs> I've never done cryotherapy and I even still like they people tell me to get the most health benefits you should do the cold shower in the morning I still do it at night though because one it's for a little bit of procrastination like I'm like in the morning I'm like oh, I'll do it later and at night I'm like I have no choice now but um, also, my office is a little bit cold. So I'm like, if I start my day cold, that is very uncomfortable. So I did it one day, and I was like really cold in my office later that day. So I was like, mm, that kind of set my morning off on the wrong foot. So I don't know. And you know. know what happens when you set your morning off on the wrong foot? You got to switch it up real quick because that's not fun. <laughs> you get the moment yeah. where you're like, oh, I should have just got it done. <laughs> um. Before we dive into your business background, um, you were on Fear Factor. Let's talk about that for a minute. That was so cool. I saw your clip on your Facebook. I did that in – so we're recording this in year 2022. So I did that 22 years ago in 2000. I was a young 20-something-year-old kid in San Diego, and they had – an interview at the bar. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll nail this. It was so funny though. I did nail the interview, but then they had you mail in an interview and do a group interview and do a stress test and do like, it was Whoa. like you were joining the FBI. You had to like go and run <laughs> on things. They had you take this like 500 quest, question, like personality test to make sure you, wow. know, you weren't going to like snap. It was a multiple month process. So crazy just to like eat things and jump off of stuff. But it was a fun experience. And one of my episode was one of like the most highest ratings because one of the guys on there was kind of an idiot and smacked his collarbone on the boat and broke his collarbone. And so because he was kind of pompous, he's like the star of the show. So it got shown a lot, but it was fun. I jumped on speedboats from, you know, one to another when they were going down the lake. I dove in a tank of I think 10 tons of dead squid. And so I had to pull weights. It was a, it was such a funny experience, but like they really, I mean, you were 
trying out for something very, <laughs> very high, like high security FBI, CIA stuff. And it was like, we're just jumping off boats. But it was so fun. And like people, I just had someone last week reach out and goes, this is going to sound really weird, but were you in a tank <laughs> of squid on? I'm like, that was me. <laughs> you know, Did so like randomly people reach out. It's funny. That's so cool. Did you have to eat anything or that was I your did. gross challenge? So oh. we were one of the only episodes the entire time, like of the original series that did not. I think there was like three episodes that didn't have to eat anything and mine was one of them. And so I was like. So you just had to it. be in something gross. You didn't have to yes. eat anything gross. Yes. Yeah. Were you so ready for I'm the like, eating part or you were? No, yeah. I probably, I gotta be honest. I, I'm a daredevil. I will jump out of planes, jump off boats, do whatever, but eating I'm not sure of my abilities to do that. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't have to embarrass myself like that on TV, though, you know? Yeah, I that was the part of the show I would sometimes turn off when I would watch it because like I couldn't watch like I'm not a I am not an adventurous eater. So watching people eat things that are legit disgusting, I couldn't sometimes I couldn't yeah. watch. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, so it was fun, you know, and it's funny because now there's all this drama coming up with Joe Rogan. And, you know, I made a post recently. I was like, I had fun with him and he used to have hair back then. You know, he looked like a totally different person. It's just so funny to to look at it. But, you know, it's really interesting how cycles come or people become popular again. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 44 this year and I'm like so much of the stuff that was cool, you know, high school 20s. Now the music's coming back to TikTok. The trends are coming back to clothing. And my mom used to always say, oh, every 20 years or so, you know, this is going to happen. And I didn't get it and now that i'm an adult i'm like oh i get what you're talking about okay this makes sense and so it's Please funny that he's around. he's like swung back around you know for me in my life i was like it's the way it works right that's so cool um well that's really interesting story. like i, I had to bring that up before we yeah. uh dive in so tell us tell us about your business um you help fitness people as well but tell us about the business and how you do help the, your community yeah, so I, um, my first professional career, I guess you'd say, I used to be in commercial finance. I would do hotels, casinos, large deals. My niche became churches. I worked with a lot of churches financing. It was so But then I got out, you know, when the market was a little bit iffy during that time, I got out and I started working with restaurants, helping them do social media. So I would work with a bar and I would help them I would talk to their liquor distributors. I would, you know, put a, together an email list for them, a promotional calendar. And I was kind of like helping them do social media. And it was a bar that I had worked at previously. Like it's so much fun. And so as I was doing that, I got introduced to network marketing and how social media worked. And so I started aggressively selling online about 12 years ago. So I was like, I was using Pinterest and I was using Instagram and Facebook to, at that time, sell a network marketing product. And I did super well, ran through the ranks, like, yay, had that big Ed McMahon check, you know, like that's bigger than me. It was fun. But what I learned during that is social media is a great place to build an audience, but it's a really fun place to make money. And back then it wasn't, I mean, back then, but it was like, that was a decade ago, you know, that we're talking sure. about that I was using Pinterest and, and like learning this. And I remember my boss was like, you need to get on Facebook. And I was like, I like my space. 
And so, you know, it's funny, I got on and I was trying to make these sales and do the stuff, but what I became really great at, I have to stop for a second. So I have an alarm that goes off every day at 1234 asking what I'm grateful for and it just went off. <laughs> so let me pause for a second and say I'm grateful <laughs> for this interview and being able to share my story. Thank you very much for that. So um, back to the story. So I just started <laughs> building big communities on social media and I started, um, I built with the help of partners, we built like a 10,000 plus team and we were just rocking it and it was all organic. So my niche became helping people get organic traffic, meaning they don't have to pay for ads. They're not having to have a huge budget because at that time I didn't have one. So the first couple of years of my career, I was like, it was kind of like throwing something against the wall. Oh, that doesn't work. Oh my, you know, people don't like this. Messenger wasn't a thing back then really, you know? So it was, it was a lot different being able to communicate with people. And so my focus became, I was selling health and wellness products but at the end of the day, when I was talking to all the people on my team, it was really more about personal development, their mindset, confidence, feeling comfortable talking to people. And then they wanted to know how to make money. And so I essentially started my brand, which is Body Brains Bank Account, because I focused on fitness, but I realized people really just want to feel better. The appearance is, yeah. you know, the appearance is one thing, but they want to not be staying up at night stressing. They want to wake up in the morning and actually be excited about their day. The money is what they feel is going to help them get there, but it's it's all an ecosphere or ecosystem that works together. And so I, I originally did it because I was like, oh, I don't know what I should talk about. You know, I didn't know how to niche myself. And then I realized this is a holistic approach that we need to be taking here. And so I went and got certified as a holistic life coach, you know, because I thought that's what I needed to do and went through all the certifications and everything. And while that helped, I, I realized that my strength has really been in just helping people get to the bottom of what's holding them back, what pattern they're in, um, any self-sabotage that's popping up, um, collapsing time. I'm really great at helping people collapse time. But what I no noticed after working with, you know, I've been able to work with people I think there's 24 time zones in the world and I've worked with people in 21 of them. So a really cool opportunity, all races, all ages, all, you know, economic background. We're all human beings. <laughs> At the end of the day, we're human and humans have the same issues, problems, insecurities, stresses. I was talking to, I was just telling you before we hit record, I was talking to someone yesterday that has $150 million crypto portfolio. I also work with people that have $0 portfolio. Guess what? <laughs> they still have kids that stress them out. They still have business partners that stress them out. They still, like, they still have social media clients. That, like, it's all the same. The money doesn't take yeah. away from the fact that they are a human being. And so when I got started, I got started because I loved using social to make money. But as I got to know the people and talk, I was like, my higher service is to re help people realize that this is really a holistic thing that we're working with. And when you start caring about how you're talking to yourself, how you're showing up for others, your communication, like just your awareness, it, just so many levels to this. It's not just about getting clients on Instagram. And so it's funny because people hire me for those things. But once we get on the phone, they realize I was looking for something surface level. But what I actually want is like to be able to take a deep breath and be happy about what it is that I do on my day to day, you know? And so you, I don't know how exactly you and I came in contact, but 
the people that come into my life, it's just, it feels so natural and just not a pitch anymore. And in the beginning it was like, here's why you should buy my stuff. And I'm so cool. And now I'm like, hi, how can we work together in a really cool way? <laughs> you know. So it went from like screaming at people to buy my stuff to like, who wants to do fun stuff together? That's amazing. So what is the, what is the core pain point that people come to you with then? Is it that they want your marketing expertise and then you say, hey, we're going to do that, but here's some other things. So um, about six years ago, I focus, I moved my focus to stress management. And the reason why okay. is because I, I was working with hundreds of entrepreneurs and they came to me because they were stressed out about their social media, stressed out about lack of stressed out about their relationships, stressed out about their community. And so they thought they were coming to me because I'm so stressed about social, this stuff isn't working and realized they were like, or, and in reality, they were like, I don't know how to communicate with them. If I could just learn how to communicate, then social, I wouldn't really need help with social media. And so my focus yeah. has been stress management, but what people mainly come to me is they're like, I don't know how to get followers or I don't know how to get people to respond or, you know, and it's just surface level stress that once we actually like talk about it, they're like, I just want to go into my community and like feel, you know, have people feel like they belong. And I just want to, you know, work with a, a team that pulls their weight. And so when right. you get to the human being part of it and you have the actual conversation, it's a, it's a lot of mentality um, as far as not feeling confident or not feeling like an expert, you know, there's so much content and we're always being bombarded with something new that people just, they don't have the confidence of like, well, why would people listen to me? Or I don't have that many followers, you know, why should it matter? And at the end of the day, it takes one person, it takes one contact to introduce you to millions of people. It takes one person, you know, to put you in the, the way that you need, you know, in front of who you need to talk to, but they're so scared to get out there in the first place that they don't even put themselves out there for that one person. And so I'm, I've really been focusing the last six years on letting go of, you know, sometimes we pull our current fears from the past or from the future. And so we are worried because last time this didn't work or what if they do this? And so we're we're pulling from our past memories or something that hasn't happened and that's affecting our present moment. And so my main job with all of my clients is to help them get in the present moment, even if that's scary and unknown, because when things are unknown, that means that anything's possible in that moment. And so we figure out what do we gotta do? Like what's first? My method, which is really funny because I think I bring this up on every podcast, is I used to be a lifeguard. And when we get to the scene of an of a emergency, you survey the scene and you say, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And you were supposed to scan from the left to the right and you would survey, throw everything out, make sure that everyone was okay. And that's the first step that I take with any of my clients is I say, okay, we're going to take all this stuff, all these negative things, we're going to throw it out. And we're going to go through each section and we're going to find out what's okay. We're going to find out what's not working. We're going to keep what works. We're going to get rid of what doesn't and voila, there you have it. But you'd be so, it's so interesting how people don't even want to throw out what's not working because they're like, well, um, I don't, you know, and I'm like, let's just talk about this. If, if you're coming to me, something's wrong. And so once you can just kind of show all your cards, take a deep breath and lower your shoulders and go, here's what I'm working with. 
it levels the playing field and they realize, oh, I'm not in the position I thought I was, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, what you do for a living is very different than what I do. So that's why I'm like processing as you say like that, that mentality. Um, what, what would be an, an action step in like a tangible action step if someone's going through that stress to sort of make that assessment? So first thing that I do is I, I have people kind of, uh, we, we call it like a recalibration session essentially. So it could be binaural beats or solfagio frequencies or whatever helps them to calm and get into a equal state and not in that heightened state. You know, sometimes people don't even realize why they're stressed. Like I, people, I uh, admin a large group. I'll give you an example. I admin a large group and people will come in there and vent or say things, you know, it's a group for women to talk. And I always ask them like, but why do you think this is coming up for you? And they'll go, well, this and that and that. And then so like, as you ask more questions and you start like pulling back the layers, you realize it's like something that happened that has nothing to do with the situation or something that they're worried about that has not happened yet. And so my my, I guess, action step is we sit down and we don't leave until we begin to pull off those layers and at least have what's what needs to be worked on in front of us. And it's funny because oftentimes when people are like, I'm so angry at my husband or I'm so angry at my coworker, you know, this isn't working. It's not usually that person. It's a frustration from lack of communication or not voicing their concerns or what they want. Um, For me in the past, I always tried to make everyone else happy. And as long as everyone else was happy, it didn't really matter. And a lot of people do that. So they're so angry and holding on to resentment. But it's really just because they're so loving and caring and giving and altruistic to everyone else that they feel depleted. And so when we can get down to the bottom of that, then I'm like, oh, you're stressing out because you're stressed. Okay, well, we're going to change your notifications. We're going to set some some hours. We're going to have this conversation. And when you break it down, like, this isn't really that difficult. It's the emotion that's causing this. Like when you when you let go of the emotion and you just go, if I were a third party person looking at the situation and didn't have emotion and was just watching the situation, would we be reacting this way? The answer is almost always, no, I would not be. If I were not the person in this situation, I would not be acting like this. And so when you can get someone to switch their perspective and look at it from a different place, it's easier to put all those things on the table because isn't it simple to tell other people what to do with their life, right? <laughs> So like when you take a third party perspective and you go, let's look at this like this is not you, like this is me and someone else. What's the advice you would give me? You you start to unravel and, and begin to like uncover all the things that are really going on and they don't feel attacked because I'm like, we're not talking about you, remember? We're, we're talking about someone else. So my action step is I always try to take them out of the situation, let them look at things from a different perspective. Granted, there's always emotions, but let's control the emotions if we can't. I give breathing exercises, journaling exercises, meditation, um, mirror work. I have like a plethora over the past few years of really great things to help them calm their system, but they have to be the one that like wants to work on the mind. 
I can help, I can suggest, but at the end of the day, just like we were saying 75 hard, they have to be the one to make the decision to do the work. I think that's, I, I love that. Let me know what your opinion is. I saw this on social media. I don't know if it's true and I tried to test it out on myself, but they said if you are feeling some sort of fear or stress, one thing you could do to remedy it is if you self-diagnose it. Like if you're like, oh, I'm like, if you're having anxiety, you're like, oh, I'm it's fear because of X and like it pulls it from like your reptile brain to your analytical brain and you start to feel better because you just start because your analytical brain will start to like, I guess, solve the problem versus just leaving it just sit back there in anxiety mode, just downward spiraling you. Is that is there well, credibility so, to know- that? So, so I don't know about the credibility to that, but I do know. So I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Proctor, but he uses an example where he says you have to get it out of you. So write it. So he says write it and then they do where they burn it. So you could rip it, throw it in the trash, whatever. But it's similar to the same thing. So someone was like, if you're self-diagnosing, you're getting it out. But he talks about writing it so it is removed from you and external, and then you can, you know, address it or adjust to it how you want. I think that there's this thing online where therapists and doctors are saying, do not self-diagnose. You need to go to a professional. You don't know what this could be, X, Y, Z. Sure. Like schizophrenia, things like that, obviously go. But if you're feeling sad or angry or upset, I feel as if, and that's why I do suggest journaling just management clients, is I do believe that there is power in getting it out of yourself, even if it's not said to someone else. Like sometimes, you know how you sit down and write an email and you're like, and then you go, I don't need to send that. I got it out. It's good. It's kind of like one of those. Get it outside of yourself. Allow it to process. And then if you want to burn it, burn it, let it go. If you want to rip it, if you want to keep it for later to see how you've progressed, then do that. But I I, I think, and I know this from my own experience, is when you continue to bottle things up and push them below and just keep going and grinding. And, you know, for me, when my mom passed away, I'll use that as an example. I just went into like get stuff done mode. And I was like, Oh, I got to, you know, make things happen. Instead of processing that I was so sad, I was so depressed. It was one of the worst experiences of my entire life. And I just completely like compartmentalized it and just went on doing what I need to do. That is horrible. <laughs> and now that I've gone through so much therapy because of it, I I just, I bring that up to other people because I say, if I, if I would have known 20 years ago, when my mom passed away or 24 years ago, 22 years ago, what I know now, I would have said, I know this is uncomfortable. I know you probably don't want to talk about it. I know it's unsure, but get it out of you. Like write a letter or journal or make a voice note or do something because holding that in, because I thought no one would understand is so horrible. It's such a a negative impact, you know, just, it's like a, shaking a Coke bottle, you know, eventually it's going to blow up. And I, I learned that. And so one thing for me is I never force people into wanting to uncover things. I never force people into this process, but I'll tell you what, once you help them see a different perspective and let them see things from someone else's eyes and make them realize, you know, we were talking about money earlier, you and I, and 
all this crypto stuff and all it's overwhelming. It's so there's so many new ways and one guy likes to do this and one guy likes to do that. But at the end of the day, I've never been personally victimized by a zero or a one. It was the human yeah. being that was doing the action. You know what I mean? And so when you think of it like that, it's like you create all these stories and emotions, but when you take yourself away from it and just look at the black and white, it's like, is crypto really that scary? It's just some numbers. It is, it's just the process. It's the unknown. It's something that's new to you. Wasn't that like riding a bike or learning how to swim? It's the same stuff, but we put a meaning on it. And so if, if my job could be helping people to remove the meanings that they put on things that aren't serving them, I mean, my job's done because I feel like we put so many labels on things that are maybe passed down to us from parents or coworkers that we just believe the way that they do instead of like, no, what's really bringing me a sense of calm and what's really making me feel confident versus what everyone else is doing. I love that. And it's, it's a perfect segue because I, I wanted to get into this um, before I just disclaimer, we're going to the topic we're going to dive into, this is not investment advice for anybody. Um, we're not going to name the specific investments that Tarlise is involved in. Um, you can reach out to her. We're going to have all the links in the show notes. But um, we want to dive in because you're part of a, a pretty cool group that they launch new crypto coins. Yes. Um, let's talk about that. And again, this is not investment advice anybody. Um, we're just educating you on the space. So I, I love this topic, topic of conversation because I have been around the crypto industry and first started like investing, I think, 2015. And um, my ex at the time was the money guy and the crypto guy, and he knew everything in and out and had all the certifications. And so I was just kind of a third party that heard it, understood the terminology and, you know, I get it. If you say something, I can hang in the conversation. I understand it. Fast forward eight years later, there's still a lot of that, but things have evolved so much. Like we were just talking before we hit record of there's ways that you can use NFTs to purchase real property and you can do a, an IRA with a bit with Bitcoin and all this stuff that a couple years ago I would have been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so it's evolving so quickly, but it's it's so fun because to me, I'm a very creative, I don't think linearly, like I'm always, I'm always looking for the wild ideas that might catch and work. And so this industry has become so much fun for me because my partners, for instance, and our group that we work with, we have a person that's in e-gaming and merchandise. We have someone that launches NFTs and just launched a super successful NFT project. We have people that are in the actual real estate space. We have people that do like television shows and they do shark tank type things. And so every, you know, different position, they have a bunch of people under them as well. So like it takes a whole team to do merchandising. It takes a whole team to do, you know, these esports. And so I was saying right before we got on this, I feel so fortunate to work with professionals that know this, but like I do stay in my lane as far as I get hired for the communication, for social media, for the networking, for putting this person will work really well with this person, like the overall operations of all of it. That's me. Like they call me of like, how are we operating and doing this? But I... I am still learning. Like I'm engulfed in this every day and constantly like my, from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, we're talking about something in this arena. 
but every day I'm learning something new. I was on a call yesterday with a guy, which I was just telling you, that has 150 million in a in a crypto account, and I was like, or in across crypto, and okay. I was like, that's really cool. And then he said, well, what do you know about? And he was t- talking to me about cryptocurrency and IRAs. Obviously, this is not any financial advice, but I was like what? I didn't even know that you could do that. And so just like I said, I talk about this stuff all the time and I learned something new that now I'm talking to him again tomorrow because I was like, you can't just open this information on me and leave me hanging. I need to like learn and actually know what we know what I'm talking about. And so it's been so much fun because what we do, we have a DAO that under our umbrella, essentially, we are launching coins. They're utility coins, so they're not security. So we're launching coins. And I was saying one of our uh, clients is a group of churches, and they want to have a coin for their church. The other one is a very famous rapper, and he wants a coin for his, you know. And so it's really cool because I said, who would have ever thought eight years ago that I would be helping people launch these utility coins for a church? and a rapper you know and and that's cool because then they're they're like how can we do virtual confer, uh, concerts in the metaverse how can we you know use this as yeah. a fundraising for charities that need money for churches and so there's so many different ways that you can do this that it is mind blowing. And the other day I was like, "Oh yeah, the metaverse, the metaverse." And our partner goes, "Well, I have access to 32 metaverses." And I was like, "What? There's 30 <sighs> He's like, oh, there's a lot more than that. And so I was like, because <laughs> everyone's, everyone's thinking one metaverse and there's actually a lot, like dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And so this is another layer that you're like, okay, this is so cool. And so I get hyped up when I talk about this because like I said, even being in it every day and hearing it, I'm learning that it's like when I went to Comic-Con. I didn't realize how big Comic-Con was, and I got there, and I was like, there's tens of thousands of people here. This is like a whole new world. Like, I didn't even know that world existed. My paradigm was shifted in that moment. You know what I mean? And so now I'm like, what? Tell me about all these different metaverses. What are they doing, and who's in them, and and what's already being sold, and what's working? Because someone said that they attended a job fair the other day, and there were 30 companies there at the job fair in the metaverse giving interviews and so you put on your the interviews were in the metaverse in the metaverse so everyone had That's their amazing. booth everyone had their booth it was like a job fair they had a metaverse job fair and i was like that is insane to me that is insane to me but how cool for those people that maybe don't feel comfortable traveling or can't go to live events. You know, we're going to be doing concerts in the metaverse. And some people think that's lame and they're like, I would never do that. That's dumb. And other people are like getting to see their favorite artists in a fantastic high vibe, you know, highly protected experience that they wouldn't other be otherwise be able to go to because maybe they couldn't go to a concert. And so there's always going to be a positive and a negative. There's always going to be people that like it or don't like it. But to me, being a big thinker and always thinking like one step ahead, this is like, I'm like a kid in the candy store. And what's cool about it to me is these aren't just ideas. Like we already have people that are doing it and have already had launched and have already done it. Like there's already the numbers and the team there. And so it feels cool to go from this big idea and vision to seeing it actually happen. Like, and I I just said this morning, I go, 
who knows where we're going to be a month from now because things are just there's so many opportunities yeah the the metaverse is super interesting to me and also scares the hell out of me because when i went to the crypto tax summit um they were talking about the metaverse a lot and like taxation on it um like it's interesting the real real estate in the metaverse does not work like real estate in quote unquote the real world like it's tax different and all this by the way if anyone's listening this is all taxed like the irs is onto this stuff like you're in the metaverse making money you owe the irs but um it was funny because one of the guys there i think one of his assistants like 18 or 19 year old guy he owns property in the bronx in the metaverse and he has a tenant so like, like who's paying you rent to live in a fake place? Like, but it's interesting because you can buy these really valuable properties. But what worries me is like, let's just use like the Bronx as an example. If, if I buy Yankee Stadium in the metaverse, who's to say you don't buy Yankee Stadium in a different metaverse? We don't know who owns the metaverse that'll continue to be in existence. And like that's, that's the only part that worries me. That is the interesting thing is like, so, so many people see metaverse and they only think the Facebook one that Mark Zuckerberg is talking about. And so yeah. it's, it's true. So like for us with the artists that we're working with, we're like, you can't work with other companies for X, Y, Z, because we don't want us in our universe. And then he works with another company and then we find out there's, you know, yeah. these concerts happening in another metaverse. And so I do, you know, there's the record on the blockchain. So it, it wouldn't be hard to figure out like this is a legitimate, you know, I really bought the Yankees, what's going on. But just like you said, there's there's different communities that all have different standards. They're all they're all built by yeah. different people. They all have different rules. And so this will be interesting. It, you know, I always go on the air of being positive, but you know, they were saying the other day how there's already people like trying to touch people in the metaverse and they had to put new settings. And so there's always trying to be touch the them. Yes. Like they said that people were trying to grope other avatars in the metaverse. And so now they've created a six foot bubble so that you can't touch another I, avatar. I feel like I heard <laughs> when one of the metaverses launched, there was like a sexual assault, like instantly or something like that. Okay. It might have been. I, it wasn't like, sexual that I heard, but so multiple things like this have happened. So yeah, I, like, I, it's like any industry, are... you know, we were talking about the credit industry right before we got on. Every industry has the scam artists and the people that shouldn't be there that are just trying to make money. So yes, that's going to pop up, but I just hope that the people developing it and doing this are just way faster than all of these people. You know, that's all you can do. It's like, please hope yeah. that the developers are smarter than the hackers, right? Let's, let's yeah, unfortunately, that's never the, I feel like that's never the case. The people out there trying to do no good are always a step ahead. I feel like it's because maybe metaverse will be different, but I know like in the quote unquote real world, it's because there's more money in the black market. So like, the best and brightest don't usually work for the people trying to prevent it from happening. Yeah. But I don't know much about IT. Um, the one thing I'll listeners that uh, we want to circle back to, I think it's awesome that you're learning about the IRA side. Cause like, as we were talking, like it's been a really process, but I shouldn't have started off with that as bad advertisement, but I'm, I've moved part of my Roth IRA to the crypto world. It's been extremely time consuming, but it's not supposed to be. But um, the advantage there 
for people listening is like, you don't have to track the basis in whatever you're doing in crypto. Like some of the projects that Tarlise is talking about, I think you're going to find the people that end up doing things like that, like tracking the basis as you move in and out of transactions. Like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I need to move my money from crypto.com to trust wallet. While I've been waiting, it's up 12% because the, the currency that it's sitting in is up 12% in like a week. So I'm like, this is crazy. But um, I'm going to have to track that now. Like, So I have to link it to a software to track that because the IRS is watching. When I transact it to a different type of currency, the one that, um, again, I'm not going to tell what it is, but I'm investing in what Charlize is talking about. Like That's one of the things we've been talking about before this podcast. I'm going to have to report the that gain because just switching currencies in the eyes of the IRS, that's a transaction. So like anyone out here is listening, like if you bought something, like people are like, oh, I'll buy a Tesla with my Bitcoin. The IRS, like that's a transaction. You did not just make a lateral move. When you're inside the Roth IRA world, they're like, again, like if, if your buddy, if he bought a bunch of Bitcoin in his Roth IRA and now it's worth 150 million, like again, I don't know how much he did, but that yeah, is a home it, run for him. Split up. I mean, he has it well diversified, but he has, I think, seventy something percent in Bitcoin. Um, and yeah, we're supposed to talk about it tomorrow because I was like, I didn't even know this was an option. You have to let me know what's going on with these IRAs because this is—it's mixing and meshing these worlds, like we were talking about. Like, I just didn't even know this was possible. And you know, he brought up how they were doing joint. Uh, joint partnership on homes, you know, using crypto. And I was like, this is so cool because yeah, you know how timeshares are. You got to sit through a thing and then you got to like, <laughs> you know, deal with what we can timeshares are like a whole production. So what they're essentially doing is a timeshare that's like on the blockchain done through chip, crypto. Super simple. If you want to sublease, it's another little transaction that you yeah. can do on your phone. And it's like, this is a real estate transaction. This is so yeah. crazy. And so he's he's explaining, and like I mentioned, he has a crypto university where he teaches this, but it's just so cool to learn new ways to diversify things without putting yourself into risk of just like, oh, well, I guess this coin will work. Like at least you can put it somewhere that you have a little bit more yeah. sense of stability through. And so I like that, like tying it to you know, something like a home, like a property and not just another thing that pops up. So it is a whole new world, but it's, it's really not. They're just, there's more and more smart people figuring out how to tie traditional money with all of these new forms of currency. Yeah. So anyone listening, um, you can reach out to me on this because that's, that's what we did. I went in the end of January down to Phoenix for the crypto tax summit. And this is everything they taught us, like how you get your money into a Roth IRA, into an IRA, into a 401k. So just to give anyone listening some background, if you call your custodian, like I use TD Ameritrade myself and all my clients, if I call them and said, Hey, I want to do crypto, they're going to say no. And that's why my uh, part of my Roth IRA is moving. Um, the trust company, particularly uses directed IRA. They're self-directing company. So all they are is the custodian. They are going to hold my money. They do not, they are not a crypto exchange. Um, they have a partnership with Gemini. So Gemini holds my, is my ability to buy Bitcoin or whatever I want to buy. But the, they're going to make sure that it's all stays in the Roth IRA world. So just anyone listening, if you talk to your financial advisor 
and they're at a normal place like Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Merrill Lynch, any of those, they're going to tell you this is not possible. And that's because it's not possible with them. The people, this this stuff, and it's not new to crypto. This is what real estate people have been doing forever because exactly what Tarlis is talking about. Like, if you, to get them the lowest risk in any investment is to know what the hell you're doing. So if you don't know anything about the stock market, that could be an extremely high risk for you versus Warren Buffett, who's like, this is easy. Mm-hmm. And for a real estate investor, the stock market's crazy and real estate's easy. But self-directing allows you to do whatever you want with some exceptions. You can't do – so this is actually interesting. Anyone should pay attention to this, that the NFTs get weird because IRAs cannot own collectibles. So you can't own fine art in an IRA. Some NFTs are being classified as collectibles. They don't have utility. So – and I don't know if the IRS has given guidance on that yet, but – just be careful if you're trying to put an NFT into your IRA because if it's deemed a collectible, that may be prohibited. So, like, again, it's all sort of this this whole world is already out there because it's it's been there for decades for real estate. Now the crypto people are loving it because yeah. so they're, they're shoving it all into their Roth IRA. And then if it, if it does what people say, it goes to the moon, it's like the IRS gets completely cut out of the equation and it's all legal. So if you guys have questions on the tax side of this, definitely reach out because this is this is what I've been spending a lot of time on over the last few months because again I can't tell you which crypto to buy I do not like I I got stuck trying to move from crypto.com the trust wallet like all that technology but the tax side of it I can help you out um, because it's that's the the really cool part like you can do it in your 401k um, help the client with that recently like move a bunch of crypto into the 401k world um, it's really endless like you Again, you talk to your normal financial advisor, they're going to say you can't do any of this. So it's, that's that's not true. That's the thing that we were talking about earlier with education. You know, it's like, how do you find the right person? And, you know, is this someone that you actually would want to take advice from? And that is, that's where everyone's at, where they're like, you just have to make sure that you're doing your due diligence. You know, one thing that I learned in commercial finance is you got to, do your due diligence and see who you're in business with. You need to be able to be able to talk to these people if you need to, or, you know, I know that a lot of the crypto exchanges, like I had an issue with Coinbase and there is no customer service. They're like, we shut that down with COVID, figure it out, you know? And so sometimes they did, they're like, that, that department doesn't exist anymore. You know, it's like, there is a little bit of a learning curve with some of the crypto stuff, but there's so many options on how you can mesh what you're doing in the traditional world that I think it's worth yeah. it. But just like you said, make sure that you either have some testimonials or have seen previous work from the people that you're working with or what you're you know involved in. NFTs, for instance, there's a lot of projects that are out there that they take everyone's money and they disappear. They It's called a rug pull. <laughs> they pull the rug. But I think that happens in a lot of industries. It happens in the coaching industry. We were just talking about credit industry where people say they can help your credit and then they don't it's like as long as you look for you know people that have already used them or you know do your own research a hundred percent do your own research there are some fantastic people out there with fantastic projects but don't let the fear of missing out or FOMO get to you like oh you got to buy this coin now you have to do it okay but do you because oftentimes a lot of the fear and the you know 
telling you that you're going to miss out. It's not. It's just because they want to get as much money in as possible. So just, you know, if there's a lot of hype about something, it's either going to be really good or you just got to go, what other projects have these people done? Where are the testimonials? Like, where can I go look at their website and make sure, you know, where's their community? For us, our biggest thing has been we want a strong, solid community that supports each other. And so when people come in our Discord channel and ask questions, we know that someone from the community is going to answer or at least tag one of us so that we can answer. And yeah. a lot of these a lot of these projects, they don't care about a community and they don't build a website. They're just like, yeah, go buy directly off the thing because we're going to pull the rug in a couple weeks and none of this is going to matter. And so they call it doxing. Like... Um, You'll hear the term doxing where you essentially reveal someone's identity. So a lot of people online will do it in a negative way. They'll dox someone and show, hey, this is who it is. But a lot of NFTs companies, you'll see in their wording, they'll say fully doxed team, which means, yes, we use an avatar on our profile, but hi, I'm Jimmy. Here's who you're working with. And so if you're looking yeah. to get in projects like that, ask, is it a doxed team? Can I see who I'm working with? You know, Do I know That's who I'm tip. purchasing from? What happens if this doesn't work out? Is there a way to get my money back? Like, those are just some questions yeah. that you should be asking anyways. But like, think of it as a traditional business. Just because this is crypto or an NFT, you still need to know who you're doing business with. And so that's why for me personally, yes, we work with an NFT company, but if you go to their website, they send you directly to their LinkedIn profiles. And so you can see, yeah. yes, hi, I, I'm a, a monkey or whatever, but like I'm a real person as well. And so I think that that's important and some information that I wanted to be sure to share because there's so many projects and it's like, you're going to make a bazillion dollars in two minutes. Yeah. And people just get hyped up because everyone else is talking about it and they don't want to be left out without doing the necessary steps that they would do with any other business. And so don't, don't let your brain go sideways just because this is like something new use your business acumen and think about what would i do if this were a traditional business or a traditional transaction and kind of do the same thing yeah. that's just what i like to like throw out there just because it's new doesn't mean that you shouldn't do what's worked in the past yeah uh like like anything you have to do your own due diligence you have to know you have to know what your risk is like yeah. again that's like every investment like it doesn't matter I mean, in some ways, I don't even care what the return is. It's really, you have to know what the risks are. Yeah. Because if you can't sleep with those risks, because sure, you could put $50,000 into a crypto deal. But if you can't sleep because you're like, oh my God, this better go to a million or, or I'm screwed. Like that's a, not the investment for you because, no. I mean, you know, like they'll turn around and look at Elon Musk. It's like, he could lose a million dollars all day long. And he's like, eh, you know, so like I've had people like these scammers that text you like Elon Musk is doing this. I'm like, what do I care? Like him and I have very different bank accounts. Like <laughs> you're like, oh, so not I'm invested. In. I'm in. Yo, Elon's yeah. in. Okay, I'm in. It's like Elon's he can in. lose ten million, and I don't know if it would even he would even notice. So by the way, we're... I went to a private um, tour of SpaceX, and it was insanity. Like I felt like a pea next to some of those like <laughs> missile launcher things. It was so cool. They have the biggest TV screens I've ever seen in my life, like in one, you know, watching space or whatever. So yeah, it's very interesting. I still wouldn't buy something just cause he said so, but like, it's cool to see the massive operation that he has going on. Cause it, he, I mean, he, he's become in the last year or so, he's become one of my favorite billionaires. Just, just his tweet game alone is just yeah. hilarious how he 
trolls all the politicians that are trolling him for his wealth. It's like, I love it. I mean, I'm a true capitalist. So like, I love when he fires back. It's like, he's made a bunch of money, but he's brought so many people with him that yes. it blows my mind how often they come at him for taxes. And it's like, he's creating jobs. He's creating wealth. He's creating crazy innovations. And they still come at him. It's like, what, are you, what else am I supposed to do? I know, but he right? doesn't back down. I love it. I do too. Like it's, it's been, it's just fun to watch. And even seeing, even seeing him in his crypto comments, it just makes me laugh because it like sends, it sends people in like a fury. They don't even know what to do. They're like, did you hear what Elon said about crypto? And I'm like, oh my goodness. So it's, it's fun. But I just think like, I can you only, I can only imagine even a year from now where some of this stuff is going to go because I yeah. think with anything, you have to break it. So things are not going to work. Companies are obviously yeah. going to go under. Projects are not going to happen. But those that do stick with it and continue to innovate, I just think that it's unlimited possibility. You know, it, just real estate alone we were talking about, being able to yeah. purchase real estate and get renters in the digital space as well as using it in a physical, like a real property, it's just so fun. It's, it's like, who would have yeah. known? There's so much of this that's here to stay. Um, but like anything, like, and people say to me, like, what do you think of crypto? And it's like, that's like saying, what do you think of stocks? Like, are you going to compare Apple to Enron? Like, they're both stocks, you know, at some point. So that's just the reality. Like, some crypto, you're going to see a huge gain. And some crypto, you're going to see a huge loss of wealth. And it's like, yeah. that's just, that's going to be the future. And uh, it's up to everyone to find, hopefully, the one that doesn't go to zero. Um, yeah. And like I said, not not putting it all. I think this is with everything. Just not getting stuck and putting it all in one place because you've been hyped yeah. up from a specific popular thing. <laughs> I have I have seen, you know, I've just seen people on my Facebook wall that are like totally hyping something and then like a week later I'm like what happened to it you know and it's very interesting because the same thing actually happened when I posted about our coin um people didn't know that we went the correct route and like really you know yeah I saw did. you the haters so, were swir swirling ugh, on you you should have seen my inbox it, I mean people got nasty with me and it the, the sure. interesting part is the interesting part is no one asked what my level of participation was in it. Um, none of them asked to see the white paper roadmap to see what our plan was. None of them asked about timelines or who was involved or anything. They just aggressively attacked me about, I can't believe you're posting about this crypto scam. And I'm like, what are we, you didn't even ask a single question. <laughs> you didn't ask a single question. And so I get it. You know, I have tough skin, but it is it's sad. It's sad that so many people without even looking at information automatically think they're going to get scammed or someone's going to, you know, someone's going to do something wrong. And so I really just hope that I can in some way change that perspective and show up for my own projects and my own partners and show that there are good people that have good intentions with real teams that are open to communication. Like I just did a 90 minute AMA the other day with all of our investors just and just answering questions just so that they know yeah. like, hi, we're still here. And so I think that the more teams and people and companies that step up and do that and they're like truly in it for like the long haul of it, not just making money off the beginning and, and actually caring about the communities. I think that the 
like any business, those are going to skyrocket and everyone else is kind of going to disappear. And so I'm hoping that knowing what I know and seeing how people have responded, that I can do my best to start educating people better and really letting people know, even if I'm not an expert, I have a team of experts this yeah. the right way and we have filed with the sec and you know someone came after me and goes that's where that's where you lose all your credibility with me because if you really knew crypto you wouldn't be talking about the sec because that's the purpose is to get away from centralization and i was like okay well i have like a really big project that has a lot of facets and i have to to cover my butt so okay you know but it's just it's like everyone has an opinion i just hope that eventually my opinion or the opinion of me in this space is she's a cool person. She tries to educate us. She puts us in contact with the right people and kind of stand out with the rug pulls and the people that aren't in it for long term. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk from a year and I'll be like, yeah, guess what? <laughs> I'm like, you know, so excited or not. Regardless, I have learned so freaking much talking to the people I talk to, completely submersing myself into all of this. And if anything, even if it all went away tomorrow, wow, what an experience. I've learned so much. And the thing that I've learned is really about, it goes back to communication and like building genuine relationships with people. You know, I'm working right now with people that I've known a decade or, and some of the teams that are put together are because of people that I connected. And I'm like, I just like that. I like knowing that if you like, this isn't just a a little thing that I wanted to do to get in the industry while it's hot. It's like, I I really see some lives being changed. And just like you brought up for Elon, I'm not Elon Musk or anything, but I would hope that with projects, the scope of what I'm think the team's capable of doing that we could really change a lot of lives. So I look forward to that part for sure. That's so cool. And for the people who are hating, it's not crypto. It's not just crypto. Like there's still pump and dumps in stocks, like with penny stocks and stuff. Like, unfortunately there's financial scams in everything. Like what we're, because of COVID people are calling people and saying, ah, the IRS, give me your social. It's like, if there's, there's opportunities for scams everywhere. And unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of victims, but you just have to educate yourself to hopefully not be one of them. Obviously, in the investment world, there's at least at least two sides of it. There's one, it could be a scam and you lose your money. That would be that would feel the worst. And the second one, it could be the greatest thing in the world and it still goes to zero. Like everyone's intentions could be amazing, but very smart ethical business owners go out of business too. So um, exactly, and you know, I said that. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No. What I, I, I would say, I said that on my Facebook the other day. I said, you know, take some comfort in knowing that not a single person on this earth knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Like we yeah. don't. We can assume. We can base it off previous charts. Maybe you're a psychic, whatever. But like when we get to like the reality of this, none of us know what's going to happen. And so prepare yourself. Do your research. Align yourself with, you know, what you think is, is right and, and move forward accordingly. But just know, just like you said, there's always going to be a risk. And I mean, that's it's funny because I feel like that's part of it. It's like there is a risk and not many people take it. But the people that do have the potential to do really well. And the people that don't don't have the opportunity because they're not on the field in the game. So it's your decision. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Anyone, anyone just Google the chart, the efficiency frontier. That's everything you need to know. It basically plots a line saying the more return you want, the greater the risk you need to take. So just be cautious offering you something that doesn't fall on that spectrum because that's that's usually how you get scammed. They're like, oh, there's almost no risk, but it's going to 10x. That That's like mathematically improbable according to that. So... <laughs> That's like people that are like, no recruiting. And you're like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this, is, this has been amazing, Tarlise. Um, if our Thanks listeners want to learn more about you and your company, what's yeah. the best way so for them to find you? You can find me at tarlise.com. Every single one of my social media handles is also Tarlise. So it's T-A-R-L-E-S-E. -E. Um, I... I change my website frequently um, lately. It's just not, it's so funny because I was saying, we were talking a couple of weeks ago and you're like, your, your topics have changed a little bit lately. And I'm like, I'm always talking about something. I do the same thing over the decades, but it's like stress is universal. Stress is across all industries. And right now I feel like my part on the team is really as kind of the operations they're trying to say COO, but I'm like, I don't think I want that role right now. But um, as taking on that role, I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. That sounds like a great gig. Um, and the links yeah. to everything. And so so what I was saying is notes. it changes a lot. I'm always doing something different. But Tarlise.com, any of my social handles are Tarlise. You will always, no matter what, no matter what year ever, it's always talking about body, brains, bank account, health and wellness personal development and how to generate an income. So regardless of when you listen to this or what project I'm working on, you will always find content around that. Love it. Thank you so much, Charlize. Appreciate Thanks you joining us on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.